Hide, hide your kids. kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous, dangerous podcast. podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Google, Lever, Intello, Monster, Jibe. What do these companies and hundreds of others have in common? They all use sovereign technology. Some use our software to help people find the perfect job, while others use our technology to help companies find the perfect candidate. Sovereign has been the global leader in recruitment intelligence software since 1996, and we can help improve your hiring process too. We'd love to help you make a perfect match. Visit Sovereign.com, S-O-V-R-E-N.com, for a free demo. All right, all right, all right. A little bit different format today, kids, and there's a reason why. Chad, how are we doing? Doing very well, as a matter of fact. Uh, we, we've got our, our friend Mark Whitek on the phone, special on, guest. on the line. Yep. Mark High Q. is the uh, he's the CEO of High Q. Mark, welcome to the show. Great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, you've been in the news lately, Mark, um, and we wanted to uh, to talk to you about that. Um, but before we get to the news and the case, for those who don't know, tell us about uh, High Q Labs and what you guys do, uh, and then we'll get to the the nitty gritty. Sure thing. Uh, at at the most fundamental level. The business we're in is data science, data science that's informed by uh, public information sources and then ultimately applied to human capital, human beings, workers, our coworkers. Uh, we've been in business for more than four years, and we've applied that data science in largely two dimensions, one to help companies understand um, which of their organizations or people are at the greatest risk of being recruited out of the company, pulled out of the company. Uh, and then we recently uh, launched a product in April that helps companies understand the composition of skills they have across their workforce so that they can do a better job of creating career mobility, internal succession planning, and all sorts of great things to keep employees engaged. Outstanding. Outstanding. So, you start four years ago, things are going quite nicely, and then on May 23rd of this year, what happened? I was called out from a product meeting in one of our little conference rooms here in San Francisco, and uh, one of my colleagues said, here's an email that you ought to take a look at, and it was a cease and desist letter from LinkedIn, uh, who uh, quite openly um, company's been quite open about uh, uh, our use of LinkedIn's public profile data to inform our science for quite some time. But the letter was pointing at exactly that, that we needed to stop collecting public data from LinkedIn. Otherwise, we'd be in violation of, uh, among other things, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Was this a shock to you? I was stunned. I thought it was a mistake. I felt like the proverbial tuna I'm sorry, the proverbial dolphin caught in the tuna net. And, uh, you know, it's well chronicled in the, uh, in the transcripts and, and, and some of the uh, media coverage we've had thus far that LinkedIn has been 
uh, a participant in our annual biannual conference known as Elevate, where we bring thought leaders from the world of people analytics together uh, to discuss how data science can help us all do a better job at the thing we're supposed to do, which is keep employees engaged. So LinkedIn participated in that. In fact, uh, last year, uh, one of their employees applied for and won an award. Uh, so yeah, we were very surprised. We thought they knew what was going on. We're sure they did. I thought at least a tap on the shoulder or a phone call would have preceded a letter like this because it did didn't, shut our business down. Didn't you think it was quite ironic that they said, I mean, pretty much stay away from public data? Well, I, I, I have kids. My friends have kids. And you can do the acid test if uh, you have children in your ecosystem. Ask them what public means. <laughs> <laughs> Right, public is for everybody, and um, right, public is for everybody. Look at the at the at the some level down. I was going to say at the bottom of all this, but some level down is the anti-competitive element of it. Right, mm-hmm. um, we announced a new product, and 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 uh, prior to that, and then shortly thereafter, uh, LinkedIn's on record describing a product that looks an awful lot like uh, the things that we do. So we were surprised, you're, you're- public. I assume your thought is that this was sort of Microsoft owns LinkedIn now. They're getting serious about controlling their data. Um, did part of you say maybe this is just a scare tactic and they don't expect us to cut to hire lawyers? Um, maybe we'll just stop and go away and instead you guys didn't. I mean, was that a decision of, gee, maybe we just stop or do we fight this? Was that a hard choice? It was, it was, it was a hard choice. Um, First of all, we thought we were right, and and that helps. That's a guide light for us, right? Uh, if, if we think we're right, what do we do next? And, and we tried to have that discussion. We tried to make that assertion prior, uh, before turning it into uh, a litigation process. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you said something at the front of that question, though, that, that evades me now. Um, and I was going to be responding to it. Now it slips my mind. The Microsoft piece? The yeah, there you ship. go. That's, okay. that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's an important part of this. Uh, given that when it happened, I of course went to the web and started to research the history of LinkedIn and data, and um, it's hard to miss the commentary uh, from fellows like Mark Benioff, who had a lot to say. It turns out he was very right. Uh, who had a lot to say about what was going to happen post Microsoft acquisition, and. Uh, when I read that, it, it was easy to map it back to prior Microsoft behavior. I don't know what their ultimate motivation is. I don't know how much Microsoft influences the decisions that LinkedIn makes. I don't know how much, uh, what role Microsoft plays in LinkedIn's decision to issue cease and desist letters of any type. But it's hard not to think that there's a connection, guys, right? I'm pretty sure <laughs> right. they have a, a team of lawyers that need something to do, yeah. if nothing else. <laughs> Sure. sure. I'm sure they're probably not bored. So what was what was morale like on that day? And then talk all the way up to the day when you actually you got, I guess you could say the judgment um, of, uh, you know, being able to, to, to go back to business as usual. Well, it's it's uh, I'm not an MMA guy, but I do know we have a big fight coming up here very shortly. Uh, it, it, it's 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 at least a body blow and maybe it's a, a punch to the head. Uh, we're skipping along trying to do all the hard things that startups have to do. We're trying to deliver value for customers. We're trying to create interesting and innovative science in an area that's nascent, but really compelling. Right. It's drawn venture capital. It's 
got the attention of uh, C, uh, CHROs and heads of people and talent and CFOs all around the world. And we're hammering away at that, right? Fighting the good fight every day. And lo and behold, we're told to stop. And you know, after some discussion with our, our uh, lawyers from Forella, uh, we found that we really did need to stop because continuing after receiving the cease and desist letter would accumulate monster fines for us. That was our understanding. So we stopped. We ground the business to a halt. And then we had to take on the practical matter of communicating to our very valued customers and the partners that we were working with and communicate to them all with a shroud of uncertainty around it because we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, our first efforts between, you know, that first, that, that May 23rd date and, and the ultimate delivery of the preliminary injunction um, were around how to keep the business going mm-hmm. and how to communicate with our customers and keep them from fleeing. Uh, I guess in some sense, uh, we got a little bit lucky in that through a series of standstill agreements uh, where the cease and desist did not apply. And these were agreed to standstill agreements. You can read about those in the hearing results from the temporary restraining order. We were allowed to continue to collect public data and we were allowed to meet our requirements for our customers. Um, I'll call that pure luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, at that point, morale is better, but it's still a matter of, am I going to get a paycheck you know, <laughs> yeah. at the next payroll? Um, we're, we're, we're funded by, uh, largely angel investors, uh, who are very bullish on what we do. Uh, but we have finite resources and How understanding have customers been phenomenally understanding. Um, they, they, they were well aware of what we're doing. Uh, I, I, am not going to name names, but the outreach of support, um, from our customers and partners because of a similar view of public being public is, um, it's inspiring. Uh, even from my competitors or pseudo competitors, I don't know that anybody does exactly this exactly the way we do, but let's say companies who are in this broad category of public data applied to human capital. Right. There's been a lot of support, a lot of unsolicited outreach to us to say, Hey, uh, we, we couldn't choose that path. We're glad you did. We hope you win. We think you're going to. Well, that being said, I mean, the, the support, it sounds like there was a lot of support, you know, behind the curtain, but really on the outside, all we saw was a little guy, high Q fighting. And we didn't see all these other organizations that we know are in your same exact shoes. Um, we didn't see them coming out of the woodwork and, and, and trying to make a fight for this. So how did it feel? I mean, just, I mean, from our standpoint, it felt like you guys were the only ones. How did it feel from your side? Well, in one sense we are, uh, I've done my homework across the last four or five months to learn the history of this. You guys probably know it better than I do. We're not the first company to get a cease and desist letter from LinkedIn. Nope. But, but, but what, what it sounds like is we're the first company to get a cease and desist letter from LinkedIn where number one, um, we only use public data forever and ever. We've only used public data. Um, LinkedIn has been well aware of our use of their public, the, the, the public data that their members provide to them. Um, and then uh, there were three things here and I'm going to forget the third one. Uh, uh, oh yeah, that uh, it was an existential threat to me, right? I mean, I, necessity is the mother of invention. And, and, and when you're poked that hard and you have to consider the alternatives, this was the clear path for us. 
you really we thought didn't. we were right. They knew about us, and it and it was public. So yeah, and I mean, you really didn't have a choice. I mean, you could curl up in the in the corner in the fetal position, or you could fight. So I mean, when you when you get cornered, I mean, I would think you know you really have one 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 decision, and you guys came out fighting. But it doesn't seem like anybody else came out as as feverishly as you did, or, or at all. Uh, not in a public way. No, I, I don't know what dialogues happen behind closed doors with those other companies. Uh, we have had, it again, warms my heart. We've had um, unsolicited outreach from companies who want to contribute to our cause. And uh, I don't know how those contribution offers will ultimately manifest themselves, but it's, every, it's been everything from amicus briefs, uh, you know, a friend of the court on our behalf to, um, to financial resources to help uh, address the, the very expensive litigation costs associated with the effort. Is it your sense by talking to your competitors that this was sort of a widespread cease and desist effort by LinkedIn? I do have that sense. I, w- widespread is a tough word to quantify, but I, I, I know it's more than a handful. Okay. Yeah. I, that's maybe an equally hard word to quantify. Um, I know I'm not alone. And where would you say the, the court, where do, where do you think it goes from here in terms of what your lawyers are telling you and maybe just what your gut is telling you? Well, of course, this is all uh, pivoting from the, from the decision. Uh, I don't even know what date it was, but it was last Monday <laughs> uh, where, the, where the preliminary injunction was granted, which as far as I can tell, uh, puts IQ in the position of being the only company that's permitted without any question, temporarily, um, to collect member public profile data from LinkedIn. Uh, At least that's how we interpret it, and to be able to do that without any legal or technological barriers. Uh, What happens from here in a legal front, uh, the way I've characterized it to my board is the ball is largely in LinkedIn's uh, court. Uh, that, that they have a period of time. My understanding is it's 30 days after the decision to uh, choose to appeal or not. I'm not even going to try to handicap that one for you guys. Uh, and if they appeal, then I have a sense of what happens through the appeal. If they don't appeal and we look at a permanent injunction hearing, I, I don't even know what the timing of that is. But while all that's going on, uh, my understanding is we will remain uh, able to collect public data. So neither, neither Chad or myself step. are lawyers. Would this create a- Neither am I. That would be who could opine without experience would, then. <laughs> would this potentially create a precedent for every public site on the web and all public content and being able to go and scrape or collect that data? There's certainly language in everything I've read and, and, and talking to really smart people like Deepak Gupta from Farella, Braun and Martell, our, ma- our main attorney, and Larry Tribe, who's on the team. They're certainly thinking along that line. I, I, I just wrote the word under or all down here on my pad, and I underlined it a couple of times, all. Uh, I don't know what's unique and different about LinkedIn member public data than any other public data guys, but... Uh, you know the media, the, the the printed press, online commentary. Very smart people have all said, have all pointed to the far-reaching consequences and impact of this decision. So, my thinking is yes, it goes well beyond this, and it could change the very nature of the way um, data on the internet is accessible and employed to 
do interesting things. That's what innovation is all about, right? Look, the, the yeah. public information on the web has been collected for a long, long time. I think mm -hmm. most people get that, but I'm occasionally surprised when someone doesn't see that, right? The way that Google presents information is by collecting public information from the web. Yeah, well, and we're seeing that in, I think, what Joel is referring to, at least one of the instances where we're, we're talking about Craigslist and, you know, some, some of the other sites that are out there that uh, do everything they possibly can to block any type of scraping of public data. Um, and we've seen that over the years. We've seen, we've also seen some vendors uh, use that data maliciously. So, um, you know, obviously being on both sides, uh, but watching LinkedIn in this case try to redefine their terms of use for what public data was. And Joel and I have talked about this for, for a little while now. We thought it was ludicrous. It's public data. It's, it's there for the public. So it was great to see Haikyuu actually stand up and, and, and really fight it. Well, there, there's a corollary to that, or maybe it's a, just a follow-on comment. Um, with respect to how I've used LinkedIn, it sounds like you guys as well. I love I've been found through my public profile to my benefit, and I have found people. You found me through my LinkedIn public profile, guys. And I've found plenty of people through that mechanism. So it's a wonderful thing. But, but here's the, I guess, fundamental conflict. Uh, many years ago when I signed up, I said, here is my data for my profile. I control it. I choose the designation public for everyone to see from the drop-down menu, or I choose the do not broadcast to my network, or I choose private. I choose it. Why is LinkedIn believe they're in a better position to de decide what I really meant by that? I was pretty clear. Public is public. Well, LinkedIn decides to jump into the middle of that decision-making process and uh, monetize my data. No, that's not right. That's clearly not right. And and in the end, it, you know, if they if they want to make a change to that, well, I only gave them the data because I thought it was going to be public and I thought it was going to be findable. I like that. So let's say you're right, and you know, content is open. Companies like you can go access it and slice it and dice it as they'd like. Are we are we headed for a world where, you know, your challenge becomes, you know, IPs getting blocked or things getting rerouted from where you would like to go? I mean, what are we essentially going into sort of a a, a block versus scrape battle and who has the better technology and, and getting around that? If if there is precedence to say it is it is free, is that the future that we're going into for people who scrape websites? I hope not. I, I mean, I hope there's. I hope there's some mechanism by which we can differentiate good or reasonable actors from bad actors. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I don't believe we've ever presented our efforts to scrape or collect public data from anybody um, as, as if we were uh, a threat, a denial of service attack of any type. And there, you know, problems, technology problems of this sort strike me as solvable. So if the endeavor is to be able to differentiate bad actor from good actor, okay, let's do that. There's always enough money That's the to solution. solve a problem. <laughs> In this yeah, case, I, I just think it's about thinking would, through would, the problem. Would you, be, would you be willing to pay LinkedIn to have like a special, you know, door to get access to content or is that a, a closed issue? Uh, LinkedIn's not made me any offer of the sort, so it's 
really not easy for me to answer that question. Um, that's a that's a hard road to go down because again, you're talking about public data and then monetizing public right. data. Right? I'm not charged so, to go into the public library or look into the window of the public library. So exactly, exactly. And, and just before, but I am charged. I am fined if I turn the book in late. Right. So they're boundary <laughs> conditions. I get that. Well, you know, part of this. Well, that's happened. Part of this, you have to look at LinkedIn uh, and anyone else's side of this. That you know, let's imagine thousands of sites are get, you know getting access to LinkedIn's data. You know, that's a cost to them. They you know they have servers that handle that traffic. So. You know, playing devil's advocate a little bit, you can see, you know, their side of it and saying, like, it is a cost to us to have people ping the site. And are they a real person or not? And, and how do we how do we sort of, um, you know, tackle that issue if it is a strain on our servers? Is that fair or no? That, that, I, that's the cost. I think, it's a little, I think it's a little bit spurious. Uh, hardware is dirt cheap. And the, you know, the, the, the processing capacity, even in the aggregate of what you just described, falls falls way down the list of right down the ladder of um of uh inquiries made to linkedin's data based upon the way we use it in our day-to-day work like 500 million members how many hundred million we, we've looked at some of the math on that and at this point it's a spurious argument you say microsoft and can afford it, <laughs> it, it it's, I'm the cost. it's not that expensive yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's the cost of having a public website i mean and having public data really and just before i forget mark i don't think you actually accepted my connection request just so you remember (laughs) (laughs) which is a wise decision Uh, mark i haven't was was that joel or chad it was was chad yeah i hadn't i haven't gotten to the s's yet in my uh (laughs) drawing a lot i'm drawing a lot of interest lately i bet Mark, I have one more question. Uh, you guys, you guys launched a, a hashtag "I'm with HiQ" um, campaign. How did that come about? How did it go? Um, just talk a little bit about that. Well, I wouldn't call it so much of a campaign. Is it was it, we we all decided to walk over to the hearing last week as a company. Uh, there are very few of us, and I said, "Well, let's at least uh, make it clear who we are when we're in the courtroom, and we'll, we'll behave well." Uh, so we spun up some T-shirts, and and one of my colleagues here who runs marketing uh, came up with that idea, and I was pleased with it. So, uh, are those T-shirts still whether, available for those who would like them? Uh, take a medium, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that should be my legal defense fund. There you go. There you go. Chad, you got anything? No, man. No. Uh, Mark, I, I really appreciate you reaching out to us again. Yeah. We know you're on a tight, tight, tight schedule. We want to be uh, conscious of that. Anything we didn't ask Thanks you that, so much we, that, that we should have? No, you guys were complete and succinct, and I appreciate the uh, public forum very much. Anybody who wants to can listen to this. It's public, right? Yep, yep, yes. yep, yep. All right, gang. So <laughs> you don't have to that's uh, Mark Weidick at uh, HiQ Labs. Uh, for more information, uh, visit HiQ, that's H-I-Q-Labs.com. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, Mark. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Chad. Thank you. This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single show. And check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit HireDaily.com. Oh, and you're welcome.
Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.